0: Welcome to Construction Cash Flow. The faster cash flows, the faster wealth grows. I'm your host, Stu Davidson, and I'd like to take a moment to introduce our incredible sponsor, Know Your Numbers. Understanding your cash flow is the cornerstone of success. It's what Construction Cash Flow and Know Your Numbers are all about. For more about Know Your Numbers, click the Know Your Numbers link in the podcast notes to start your journey of financial enlightenment that could literally transform your business. In this episode, I'm thrilled to introduce our guest, Tracy Westall, the brains behind Pecunia, a company that's transforming how businesses manage their credit and cash flow. From her first job in local authority credit management to becoming a leading industry expert. Tracy is here to drop some serious knowledge bombs. Trust me, whether you're just starting out or you're a serious pro, you'll want to grab a notepad for this one. So let's roll. Hi, Tracy, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Stu.
1: Yeah, thanks for inviting me to your podcast today. I'm doing well, I'm looking forward to the show today.
0: So Tracy, tell us about your story with some of the challenges and successes along the way?
1: Well, I suppose, start from the beginning. My my first job that actually got me into credit management was working for a local authority. To be honest, this is going to give my age away because... I worked for the council tax, so quite a long time ago. It was really good. It's just something I fell into. In all fairness, I don't know anybody that does credit management that was at school that said that's what they were going to do when they left school or left college or university. But, yeah, so I worked for a number of businesses throughout my career, lots of different companies from blue chip, pharmaceutical, security, construction, all very different kinds of companies, but the job was still the same. It was probably a few years ago when I was working in construction that I found that doing my job was pretty difficult when I was talking to our customers to get paid from them. And they didn't really understand about the importance of invoicing and getting paid themselves themselves. In order to pay us for the supply of the materials that they needed. But that was that was quite a challenge, I suppose, is trying to get them all figured out and, and help them with that. Just generally through my experience over the years, I decided to set a company up on my own. And then I got a bit scared. I'm not afraid to say. I've got a, a colleague in who I've known for a long time, also in credit management, Kevin Artlett. We just looked at how we could help businesses and their challenges and making them successful for the future. That's where really Pecunia was born. It's difficult to find help in some situations. There's hundreds of different debt collection agencies out there. It's about helping businesses understand the importance that credit management has in their company. Although talking cash flow is sometimes taboo, Everything around credit management, if you're doing it right, you know where you're going with it. It just has so many pos- you know, positive aspects that helps you push your business forward and grow. I love the the businesses we've worked with in the past and those that we've helped out along the way and even through my career that have ended up being a much better business and being more confident because of the little you know, bits and pieces we've done to help them along the way. So a lot of challenges, especially probably since COVID hit, I mean, even before realistically, but I think when COVID hit, it sort of brought everything to the fore, is the lack of business investment in credit management. I do a lot of talks and workshops and webinars on the importance of getting a good firm policy credit risk everything making sure that uh, your business is going to be making profit we're all after the profit that was what makes businesses grow so how to get paid on time and that's where your profit comes through it's interesting how people just think credit control and credit management is just about picking up the phone and asking somebody to pay you there's a whole lot more behind it and once you understand it Once you've got a bit of knowledge behind it, you've got a great team in your business, anything's possible, which is great when we come out of a situation like that and you see them grow and invest in other things that they've been really looking to invest in because they then have the cash to do so. It's one of those things that I've always wanted a job that gave me something to sort of look back on and go, I did all right there and they're a lot happier. And I never thought credit management would be the avenue that would give me that. But realistically, it does make a better working place, working environment, less stress and anxiety.
0: That's amazing. And I think you're right. You know, cash flow is taboo in in Mm. a lot of circumstances in business. No business owner or director wants anybody to know they've got cash flow problems or cash collection problems. You're right. Also, we all think that Credit control is picking up the phone and saying, "When are you going to process our payment?" or dropping an email. Mm. And there's a lot more to it than that. And mm. I'm really, really thrilled mm. you've come on because it's so credit control is really core to uh, cash management and cash flow management in construction. And and, and we know lo- know very little about it. So what's the core of your service? You know, if we take a, a typical construction business. It uh, could be a specialist contractor or a contractor. But what sort of things? initially key areas that that is it that you you help them with and what problem do you solve for them
1: the one good thing about credit management is it's the same regardless of what business you're in and it doesn't even matter where you are geographically the emphasis of good credit management and credit control is the same it's about getting paid getting paid on time now with construction and insurance they're the only two areas where it's slightly different, but the premise is exactly the same. So, when we look in specifically with the construction sector, we look at a huge array of different things. The unique thing about Pecunia is we look right at the very beginning of how you onboard your client. So it doesn't matter if you're working for a a tier one or another subcontractor or a big company. It's all about how you onboard them. Know who they are. Do a credit risk analysis. It doesn't matter how big a business can be. You need to do your own due diligence on them. Because as we know, a lot of big companies have gone under in the last few years. I mean, obviously, Carillion being a really big one. Nobody really who worked with Carillion probably did a risk analysis on them. And a couple of other large ones that are coming through this year. Always do your due diligence and make sure that they are going to pay you because they're after you for a service that you deliver doesn't matter whether you're putting bricks on top of one another, digging a hole, plumbing, doing electrical or planting lovely trees outside of somewhere. You are providing a service. Now, obviously, you have to put in your applications and it's about making sure you're knowing where you're putting these things, who you're sending them to, making sure that if there's any issues in your project, you deal with that straight on when they arise because any way somebody can delay making payment to you I can guarantee they will because the money's better in their bank account than in your bank account the other thing is obviously if you are going to be doing a project purchasing the materials yourself and that's cash going out of your business going into a project and depending how long you're going to be paid for that material depends on how much credit you're giving realistically because you'll furnish them with the stuff and materials to build whatever it is you're building on the hope and the wing and a prayer that the actual cost of that material they're going to pay plus the labour charges on top of that. And if you're in construction, you know that somewhere along whatever it is you're doing, somebody, a QS, will say, well, I, I don't agree with that or I don't agree with this. Then you've got to start the fight. But always remember that you've got salaries to pay, you've got materials to pay for, you've got your VAT on those materials. I mean, you know, there's this whole reverse VAT thing that's out there now, and a lot of subcontractors and SMEs utilize their that as cash flow you you know and now that that's really hit smaller um, companies very hard so there's lots of different things we look at how you invoice and what the contract is if you're doing a big contract which requires jct please 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 get somebody to read it all the way through don't use it as a doorstop because I've seen people do that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then
0: <laughs> How many times have we heard that? Put it in the drawer, use it, yes, read it, understand it. it, every clause. And, yeah.
1: And if you don't understand it, please, just for your own state of mind and reduce your anxiety levels for the future so nobody can pull a page out of your JCT and wave it in your face, just get somebody to literally put it in layman terms so you understand. You understand what you're signing up for, how much that is going to cost you. Obviously, material costs have gone up, so it's about mitigating all those extra costings within the project i understand now that a lot of people quoted and tendered for jobs that they're losing a huge a lot of money, amount of money on because the quotes relating to the, the materials have gone up since that time and, and and there's all these things that people really need to consider on a project project basis it is about how you recover your debts how you mediate how you negotiate getting your payments through. Because when you're thinking, I'm going to make a big profit on this job, it sounds great when you have the initial meeting. But by the time you add in all the extras you've got to do in order for you to get paid a particular part of that contract, the delays it takes for them to get it to head office to then send you the payment, the delays in a payment, and I say this across the board, you calculate your profit on the understanding that your invoice is going to be paid on a certain day. And if it is and you're lucky, you get all your, your profit, which is great. If you're delayed by 60, 90, 120, 180 days, if you think about how many months that is, that's all those kind of months working capital and we generally roughly say if you hit 90 days you've lost the majority of your profit construction is slightly different because obviously your profit margins are a lot slimmer in some cases but we we sort of get people to think about all of these things look at how they're doing it now how can they make the improvements how do they look at applying for a tender and is it worth it I've worked with so many companies in the SME and construction side of things and said, that is a golden egg opportunity for me. And then when you pull it apart, well, you've got to pull 20, 30 blokes off of all these other jobs, which is your bread and butter jobs. Bread and butter keeps your business ticking over quite nicely. You're making a good revenue. You're making good profits. You've got good payments coming in. You're doing fine, but if you take on a massive project and start rerouting all of your effort to one single project and then you're, because you're playing with the bigger players, Mm. you're more likely to get stung. So I always say that, yes, it might be a golden egg opportunity and it might be a million dollar or a million pound contract or whatever it is, but sometimes it's not a million pounds. It might only be half of that and that's lucky, but where's your business going to be once you finish that? And are you going to actually be able to have enough money to complete that project as well as all your bread and butter jobs?
0: That's sound advice. And I know that from (laughs) first experience taking on work with larger national contractors, uh, on my own behalf as a consultant, and on behalf of especially subcontractor as well, that even if things go wrong, these guys have got big shoulders, big influence, and you know they'll just say, "Take us on," you know, we don't mm-hmm. care. And then they'll they'll gradually nibble away at the payments each month. We we'll just dispute five percent of it. We we'll pay you the mm-hmm. first month. We dispute five percent the second month, ten percent the third month, and they creep it up, creep it up to there's a big pot. And then they want to do a deal at the end, you know. I mean, it's good advice that I think especially subcontractors should still work within its means to assess its resources, Mm. like you say. Um, But I I, I often wonder how, I mean, there's contractual remedies, but they're not always suitable. You know, like adjudications, not always applicable for a small SME, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because of the cost of it, the time it takes. And you know a large national contract will 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 tie you around in knots on an adjudication mm. and so much influence in an adjudication and you could mm. be right and still lose you know so yeah. it, it's that kind of culture if you if you know what i mean you know where i'm coming from on that one yeah. can they how can a, a small contractor stop that kind of creep where they are all right, inverted comments. I say with caution because I, I have a QS background, <laughs> but the QS wants to well, the QS wants to nibble away a little bit, you know, mm. under instructions probably from above. Yeah. But it'll nibble away, nibble away, and then your cash flow, you're 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 trying to pay your your guys every week, or you've got to pay your materials sooner. You now, you might be on fifty six days, which turns into eighty days. Uh, but you're paying your guys every week. You know, so it's not long before you're in for a big amount. What can these guys do, you know, other than avoid those contracts in the first place, you know, to to try and protect themselves? (laughs)
1: I mean, to be honest with you, and it's quite interesting because I had a conversation with, with another company a couple of weeks ago that's not in construction. And I said, you know, sometimes you just need to turn around and go, no, I don't want to do it. That could be the best thing you ever say. I mean, you should never, ever, ever be afraid to say no. If it doesn't feel right, it doesn't look right, it doesn't smell right, it's not right for you. And I think that that's the big thing. A lot of people in business think that they want to have on their website, we've worked with all these top tiers and these massive governmental projects but it could be at the detriment of their company quite frankly it doesn't matter whether or not you put these tier ones or government projects on your website if you're good at what you do stick to what you're good at and make sure that you're earning the money you rightly deserve the other things that you can also look into is obviously make sure you agree with the contract now, if you've got any queries on a contract Don't be frightened to bring it up because I can guarantee you at some point with some company, the project leader is going to be a pain in the backside for somebody. So why are you not being in the pain in their backside when you actually want to get what you truly want? And I think a lot of people think that they should run their business And be fearful of not obtaining a tender. Because obtaining a tender could be the worst thing, could be your worst nightmare if you don't stand and stick to your guns. And I know it's hard because every business has this ambition to be big, be great, be profitable, have money, become one of the big players. But don't forget, there's a lot of people out there that need a smaller business, To be able to do the great work that you do, you don't have to prove yourself with a multinational building contractor. You really, really don't. And most people set up their business because, A, they don't want to line anybody else's pocket. They want to line their own, which is fair enough. I'm all for that. But also making sure you're doing it right and nobody's going to actually take it from you by doing a deal that you really don't want to do and literally pinning you to a wall the other thing is as I say, you know i call it bread and butter work if you've got enough bread and butter work coming in that's going to cover all your expenditures and still make you profit if you want to start playing with the big boys then by all means do but set up a secondary company
0: absolutely Thanks great it. advice yeah yeah,
1: ring fencing, because if it goes wrong, it doesn't have an association with the other company that you've successfully built up over years and is a successful, lovely little SME company, you might be employing 50 people, you Now your turnover might be a few million. Happy days. Keep that going. But if you're going to do something like uh, the high speed two or a massive contract with a big building firm, think about where are you going to put your risk if they're not prepared to work with you under a new co-name and a new entity then you don't you, you don't really want them to to work with them because you're prepared to give them the same quality work but under a different company because you can prove you do it with company one you can do it with company two.
0: That's interesting because I know when specialist subcontractors go to tend and they 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 try to tender under a different name, then the contractor wants them to tender under their main business name and show the three years accounts and mm-hmm. and and the track record and and sometimes and I I, I think it's been brave enough to say well look you know, this is too much risk this is our bread and butter mm-hmm. company you know this mm-hmm. is a high risk project for us we're going to do what we do we we offer a great service. And we will offer you a great service. you know who we are, but mm. we just have to cover our risks by um, mm. by contracting under a, a separate entity entity mm. and, and if they're not happy with that, walk away.
1: Exactly and let some other poor fortunate soul take the burden on i hate to say it like that but you know the thing is is when you're a director of your own company you have responsibilities legal responsibilities and by making really drastic decisions because you see the bright lights and the pound signs being thrown at you by a named company doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be a great big party at the end of it you could be unfortunately in a graveyard digging a hole for your own business and that's what we don't want and The thing is, especially within construction, there's so many aspects of late payments and and all of this kind of thing going on. It is a minefield. Looking at how construction is playing out at this present moment in time, SMEs in particular have to be careful about where they lay their hat, you know, because you're responsible for people's lives when you're employing them and when you're a small company you know john is married to joan and got four kids and one of them's going to university but if you work of a big corporate company you're a number Mm. and when you have to sit in front of John and say, I'm so sorry, John, I made a really bad mistake because I went for that big, great big contract that was going to be all singing, all dancing, and it's literally put the nail in our coffin. That is a very difficult conversation to have. And nobody in business wants to be having that conversation. It's literally not just thinking outside of the box, but thinking inside your box as well. You could make probably more money. It might take you a couple of more years, but you've still got your main business.
0: And less stress.
1: Less stress. And, you know, we know that especially with mental well-being and, and mental health, especially for managers, supervisors, directors of companies, the reason they're all stressed and anxious and having mental health issues is because of money.
0: I saw a recent study that said that most business owners lose sleep at night mm due to cash flow problems even if they haven't got a problem yet they're still mm. losing sleep over cash flow money exactly what you say oh. it gets into our psyche there's some yep. sort of thing about money that gets deep mm. into our psyche it's because we, we know
1: it. we need it you know we know mm. we need it to survive everything is around money how much you have how how much you have more than your neighbor how well your business is don't forget every single business in the entire globe is having cash flow issues at some point No one is immune to it. You know, and I've spoken to directors over many years, especially when their firm has gone insolvent. And you say, why didn't you get help sooner? And the answer is, I thought I could sort it myself. You only know what you know. And the real key thing is, is about getting people in to help you before it's too late. And that's why we try and work alongside accountancy practices, because most people and, and listeners would go to their accountant for advice, which, yes, they should do, because you would assume that they, they have everything to do with money. But unless they've got a credit management professional in their practice, they won't be looking at what we look at. And the analogy I used when I did a CPD course for last week um, for accountants was we both work in the same garage. They panel beat and respray the wreck of the car that's trundling down the road with a flat tire after the year of absolute battering and make it look as if it's brand new off of a forecourt. Whereas we get under the bonnet, make sure everything's ticking over. You've got your oil, you've got your water, you've got your antifreeze, you've got absolutely everything and that everything is working perfectly in the engine section. So not only when that car rolls out from the accountant side of the the garage does it look immaculate, it purrs like a kitten and it's going down that road. So that's the difference between credit management and accountants. So I would urge anybody listening to this that if you feel as if you have a cash flow issue or you're not making your profits or you're not being paid on time or there is you just know something is not right please just reach out because trust me nothing ever fazes us in relation to the excuses the reasons you know the embarrassment there is nothing to be embarrassed about you may have picked picked the wrong deal somebody's come and burnt your fingers. It happens to everybody. That is the big thing I like to say to a lot of people is that everyone has been in your situation. And it's like they said during COVID, you know, everyone's in the same boat, but it's how you row it is the important thing.
0: Let's continue with our fascinating discussion in a moment. But first, I'd like to give listeners the opportunity to dive into a world of financial enlightenment with our sponsor, Know Your Numbers. If you want to master your numbers and unlock your business's true potential, and if you're ready to take control of your financial destiny, click the Know Your Numbers link in the podcast notes to find out more. In the meantime, let's get back to our guest.
1: Uh, My advice to people is for your own peace of mind, your sanity, the security and stability of your own business, go seek help. If it's credit management professional like pecuni, speak to your accountant and say, I need somebody that can help me with my cash flow and my debtors like a credit manager. Or even, and I'm going to have people go, oh, oh no, sharp take a breath, insolvency practitioners. Because, okay, they have this horrible stigma is that they'll break your company and give it all up and then share the spoils amongst the people and you're left with nothing. Sometimes not even a shirt on your back. <laughs> but the reality is, is we need to rescue these businesses. We need to be able to turn them around. We need to be able to restructure them. And by doing that, we can only do that if as soon as you've got a problem, you seek help. It's no good waiting into your accountants contact us at your end accounts and say, I don't know, this client has got this client has got so much debt outstanding with HMRC and payroll and yada, 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 yada. And I just sit there and go, oh my life, you're giving me three months to turn an entire business around financially. It's not possible. It's yeah. about being proactive. Just please be proactive.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And some businesses are uh, directors I know are quite reluctant to reach out because mm-hmm. they, they feel that if their clients find out that they're, Employing a credit manager, or or they they've got cash flow issues. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a perception their cash flow issues as opposed to cash flow management or cash mm-hmm. credit control management. Mm-hmm. People perceive, oh, it's because they've got problems. Hey, how can you reassure them that you know they can come across as professional in, in their dealings with their clients, but at mm-hmm. the same time being being robust, take away mm-hmm. that fear, but being robust with their clients, letting their clients know that look, I, we have got a credit management system in place we're going to put that in place it's part of our t's and c's and that's what we're going to operate
1: you should if you are ever in business it doesn't matter what you're doing whether you're making widgets or building grand mansions you have to have a credit management policy you have to have credit management in your business at the end of the day when you're trading on credit you're giving money away basically. You're like a bank. You're lending somebody money for the duration of the period of time. So you need to make sure that, is that person going to pay me back? Are they in the right position to pay me back? Just think about how a bank would speak to you if you went in there and said, I want a £100,000 loan. What are they going to ask you to do? They're going to ask you to fill in a form, tell them who you are, where you are, where you've lived for the last millennium, your inside leg measurement. Everything they want to know. Absolutely everything about you. Yeah. Businesses that trade on credit, which is exactly the same format. You're lending money for a duration of a period of time. Don't ask these questions yes, at all. So you know, we make sure that b- businesses do this. Don't ever say to somebody, "Well, I have to get my credit manager to call you." Do it. Do it. That's what they're there for. They are safeguarding the risk and the bad debts in your business. Because without those guys, you really don't have a business. The other thing about having good credit management and a good credit management team, if you're big enough, or if you only have one or two people that do it part time, whatever it is, you must have embedded in your business a credit management policy. Now, this is one of the big things that we look at all the time when we're working with clients because without a good credit management policy and without you proving that you look after the only real true asset in your business which is your age debt this is a place where you put all your invoices if you're looking for funding finance if you're looking for investment if you are going to be tendering for a job and that tenderer wants to see if they can get your credit insurable all the underwriters of all of these things And including your credit score is based on the analysis of how you treat that asset. You can't just throw invoices in it and then hope someone's going to pay. You can't just throw an invoice in it and hope poor Tony, who hates phoning people up, you know, is more of a texter, on a Wednesday afternoon has to phone all these people up. You have to have a robust credit management policy, regardless of where you are, who you are, what you're doing. It doesn't matter because I say that cash flow is a taboo subject. Every business has cash flow problems at one point of time. It's just how you row your boat. The other thing is that if you don't have that policy in place, If a great tier one wants to come and deliver a golden egg opportunity to you, are you going to know where your tipping point is in your business? How much can you take on before it really affects your business? Can you afford to do it? That's the other thing. So it gives you so much key analysis and key pointers like KPIs of whether or not you'll be able to afford to do these jobs or not and actually make a proper decision. So it helps Mm. so much. Don't forget that, as I say, profit is only made on the payment of an invoice on time. Now, going back to the bank lending you money, they'll give you credit for 30 days, and then you start paying it back. But what's also added onto that loan? Interest.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, we do have the late payment of Commercial debts Act 1988 interest. So you can charge 8% above base rate. Which this month's going to be quite
0: high again. <laughs> do you think that SMEs should do that more to enact that eight oh, percent? yes, you know because it's it, it's it's almost unheard of in yes. construction. You know with late payments, they're oh. they're almost unheard of applying the eight percent. Well, you didn't pay us on time. I know it's difficult yeah. and it's a minefield because of the way mm-hmm. that construction contracts are structured, and it's a, it's a tricky one. I know, but it is. It's, it's something that if you it apply. Did- could a late payment be, you know, the contract to be in breach, you know?
1: Let's put it on its head. I mean, it was there. It's there for a reason. It's an act of parliament. So you're entitled, anybody's entitled, even if, I don't know, even if you're you're a tier one and somebody doesn't pay you on time, I can guarantee you they'll be instigating the late payment act. For them, so why not you? It is literally about having the confidence, and this is another thing that I really try and Im- implore with people. That you're really good at what you do. That's why you've got a business, and your business is doing really, re- really well. So, at the end of the day, have pride in what you do, and if somebody has reneged on your deal and contract, then use the act. The other thing that is out there that has been really, really pushed, especially with the small business commissioner and the FSB as well, is the prompt payment code. Now, a lot of people don't know what the prompt payment code is, but every time somebody approaches you or you're looking to potentially do a job with a company, have a look to see if they've signed up on the prompt payment code. I believe that there is conversations that are being had by MPs to say that if you're an audited business, then part of your audit should be based on how you're paying SMEs. Are you actually paying them on time? I mean, in 2022, the SME market was £632 billion of unpaid debt. And this is the SME market. And if you look at the SME yeah. market as a whole and not just on a sector basis, it's the fact that the SMEs are the, the economy of this country. You know, it's about safeguarding. Mm. And, I mean, as you say, you know, should they be worried if their clients find out they might be in cash flow you know, stress? Well, they're probably going to find out eventually because there's lots of ways you can find it out, which if you're doing a a credit risk analysis on a company you'd find out hmm. so it could be well why has their credit score dropped so dramatically have they got ccjs all of these things so you could keep stem in your office but if the guys on site are not being paid on time they should be paid on a friday at 3 p.m Well oh, that might be a bit too late is it 12
0: i can't remember <laughs> the old days it was 12 wasn't it and by you were down the pub, but I don't think it works quite like that these days. Probably
1: not, probably not. If they don't get paid till the Monday, that is a gossip on site.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly and then you get so, guys not turning up and mm. and all of that sort of stuff so mm. I, I wanted to explore with you kind of where we are now with the industry because you mentioned about pre-covid COVID, where mm-hmm. we were in 2022 and i saw in fact i saw uh, an article by uh, you, you mentioned insolvency practitioners mm-hmm. uh, begbie trainers yeah. and they were saying that there's Something like 61,000 construction businesses that are highly distressed at the moment, you mm-hmm. know, in financial problems. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, that was in June, actually. That was in mm-hmm. June this year. Where do you see it now, you know, with the, uh, the fallout of COVID and Brexit? and there, Is mm-hmm. it like a cooking pot? Is there still heat in there that, that you know, we're going to see more fallout? Or wh- wh- what do you think the situation is out there at the moment?
1: I think that there's a lot of issues and the thing that has come to light through the aftermath of covid is that more businesses and this is across the board this is not just necessarily in construction more businesses took out more funding and lending now the interest rates are going up everything else is going up so they're paying the interest rates are at a high level and um, hmrc are reviewing the r&d construction especially so those businesses that may have an application go through or are thinking about having an application for an r d tax claim you might not get it so never assume you're going to get that tax reclaim because there's lots of things happening in the R&D sector within construction. So, so that's another thing. And if you are looking at it, make sure you speak to somebody that is going to give you the right guidance in relation to what HMRC are doing now for it. The the other thing is that um, interest rates. So that has a massive impact on house builders for instance, because obviously getting a mortgage, mortgage rates are higher, they're not selling as many new builds. Uh, Obviously, there's been increases and cost of materials. So margins on those jobs and any jobs in construction has been slithered down into some cases some minute margins and they will be lost within days if you don't get paid. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that the lack of skilled construction workers so that would be groundworks plumbers electrician bricklayers plasterers all of the above more and more of the youngsters coming through today rather look at tech as their future as opposed to going on a site or becoming a qs or or a an architect or whatever it is within construction there's lots of different factors we all rely on construction being the level in how we describe where our economy is because I remember years and years ago my dad said to me on the train if there's a load of cranes in the skyline of London we're doing all right now there may well be loads of cranes in the skyline now but we're not doing all right at all. You know, there are half finished projects. I'm working with IPs. We're we're trying to get funding to finish projects because it's better to finish the projects and sell that asset on than it is to have a half built site. There are so many different reasons why construction is having a rough time and it is to do with a number of things. It's one always thing, more than one. Yeah. yeah, and you can't blame all, it's Brexit, everybody's left. Well, no, it's not just Brexit, it's, you know, the way you the way you where get your materials in these days, you know, the how you trade with people, whether or not you're going to get planning permission and all the stops with planning permission, and you've got the land, you've got the people, you've got the materials, but no one's buying anything. So what do you do? If you've got all of the stuff, do you continue building it? So there's lots of questions businesses really need to think about in this day and age. And I did see uh, a video on TikTok, actually. And it was it was a couple and there were people on sites where they were building houses and they went, lovely, five bedroom, four bedroom houses here. Not a soul wants to buy them. Do we need to look at buy building more flats, bungalows, two bedroom places? as opposed to the luxurious looking four bedroom, three bathroom, conservatory on the back kind of house. So there's lots of ways to try and change the narrative within the sector. Are we going to be looking at repurposing office buildings into flats? Is that an avenue to look in?
0: Do you think there's a perfect storm brewing for the construction industry?
1: I think there's just a perfect storm brewing for everybody.
0: Yeah, it sounds um, that way sounds um, like we we've got a lot of pressure in our <laughs> our cooking pot at the moment that uh, what we yeah. one thing and another and uh, threat of um, climate calamities and 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 whatnot so going back yeah. to maybe we we need to resort back to these tiny homes and and more appropriate mm. sustainable uh, construction more sustainable cash flow mm. yeah. Ajit, wanted to come back to just a question that came mm. up when when you mentioned about we you know if you're not paid on time you're not going to mm get your profit or your mm-hmm. profit starts to what, what would be the things if I'm not getting paid or have a small business is not getting paid on time mm. what are the things that are eroding his profit if he's not that you know if he passes that day when he should get paid why are the things that erode his profit because I'm, I'm sure that listeners kind of might might not fully might understand what that means <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: okay so say for instance you, sorry, you've got a load of invoices that are due at 30 days That's great because 30 days, that's one cycle of your working capital. So, within your working capital, that's everything from your um, utilities, your payroll, your office rent, anything, even down to the bottle of milk you put in your fridge, okay, your insurances, whatever else you have to pay out on a regular monthly basis. That's your working capital. So, if you get paid at 30 days you put the money back in the business for that working capital for that month because it's gone and now you're putting it back. If you get paid at 60 days you've got two working capital cycles. One you've not paid into so it's one invoice less than it should be and if you've got that over a number of invoices that has a harder impact because you've got to find the cash from somewhere. Then If it's 90 days, then that's three circles of working capital that you've had to fund before you've got a payment. So if your profit within that invoice is, say, 10%, so 10% of that money that you get in is pure profit, then you've got a pure profit of 10% at 30 days. But if you're not being paid for 60 days, that's like 5%, say. And by the time you get to mm. 90 days, there's
0: zero. Yeah. And then I suppose it erodes away. There's, there's the higher admin charges, the higher prelim charges, all, all the different things that probably are um, kind of hidden costs, really. People don't think yeah. about that add to the erosion of their, hmm. their profit. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that, because I think okay. that's a really good one for people to, to understand. Yeah. What three tips, takeaways would, would you give uh, around credit management?
1: The first tip would definitely be know who you're going to work with that's the first tip who are they why do they want you why do they want you is another thing um, because there was a period of time that it was known that certain businesses would offer contracts to subcontractors when they know that they were slightly teetering on the rough side of bad cash flow so they knew that they probably wouldn't be able to complete the job and it would destroy a lot of businesses. So definitely know your client. Do you really want that job as well? You know, is that going to be worth your while? I'm not talking about pound size and golden eggs. I'm talking about stress, anxiety, your, your working ability and all of that. Please, I I implore every business out there, check your credit management policy. And if you need a hand with that, just give us a call. Because it is literally the foundation of your company. And as you know, Stu, without a good solid foundation, the rest of your building is not going to be secure as you start building it. It's going to crack and and fall away. I'd add another one is just review your terms and conditions, especially if you diversified your business practice since COVID. And make sure you're insured for the diversification of the extra bits you're doing.
0: So how can how can listeners contact you Tracy?
1: You can contact us on LinkedIn it's Pecunia 2016 limited. The other thing is we do have a website. Our website is www.pecunia2016.co.uk or you can email us at info@pecunia that's p e c u n i a 2016.co.uk. And the reason we're called Pecunia is because it's Latin for money.
0: Oh, and we're great. all about the Very money. <laughs> all about the money, yeah. Show me the money. <laughs> so, Tracy, time for a quick fire round. Oh,
1: good. Yep. Go on then.
0: Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, first question coming up for you. How, yep. do you how do you start your day?
1: Oh, God, with a coffee, I have to say. A coffee to get me going. I always take my dog out for a walk. It's good to start off with a good walk, clear the air, wake up. And uh, that's what I generally do in the mornings. And if I'm in the office, off I go.
0: When are you most productive?
1: (laughs) Do you know, it's funny because I'm usually most productive first thing in the morning. But I also have this second wind around about sort of seven o'clock um which does i have to say annoy my dog a lot because i could be sitting there working and he'll be moaning saying come on <laughs> it's time to sit on the sofa and go to bed or whatever it is <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what's the, what's something new happening in your life right now
1: um well we're speaking to a lot more organisations here in the uk that are primarily helping smes um especially new startups and things like that so we've got a project that we're looking at about sharing our knowledge and training and skill sets so we've opened up a lot more with working alongside accountants because as i say accountants have access to every single business's financial status in the uk and abroad they just need to share a bit of love and give their clients the opportunity to work with good credit management professionals such as us so yeah really excited about some other prospects of working in ireland in 2024 so that's going to be really good and realistically just helping businesses stabilize and grow is just the thing we love doing that that gives me a a lot of joy in my working life being a credit manager people think that you know you must be a rottweiler but actually i just i love it when we walk away from a business they're all very happy they've got money in the bank they're making profit they're on their way to great things
0: what does adventure look like for you
1: i think doing this job (laughs) setting up this business because we set up this business on the completely on the idea and premise that nobody else does what we specifically do, which is audit and help create credit management policies and to show businesses how to look after their most important asset. You know, there's loads of debt collecting agencies out there, which we work alongside loads of them. So, you know, they are good and and, and needed. But it's about looking after your business in its entirety and especially your cash. Trying to explain this narrative to business owners and directors of companies has most definitely had its challenges over the years (laughs) I have to say so you know but you know we we keep going and but I would say that that's probably a big challenge that we're still overcoming but I know that one day we'll get there we'll get there.
0: What thing would you love to do that might surprise your friends and family?
1: Oh that's a toughie. Well I think a lot of my my family know that i actually want to (laughs) this is probably ideal bearing in mind that a lot of people are listening to this reconstruction but i actually want to design and build a home that's off-grid and fits within the environment that i'm going to be wanting and dreaming of living in Um, but also the other one is that i actually want to own a camper van and travel the uk and all over europe in fact To be honest with you, take the van wherever it can take me until it conks out.
0: Name a challenge you overcame that changed your life.
1: Well, I have to say that over 10 years ago, um, I was diagnosed with having cancer, although I was very, very lucky because it was caught so early on. I was treated And to me, facing that possibility of life changing situation really did start making me think about life in a different way. I suppose I've been more adventurous, like starting this business from scratch. And, and, you know, I've also, the other really interesting thing is that I did take risks. I left a really good paid job in London. I got a job in Kent where I live. And then I decided, no, that wasn't right for me. I'm going to set up on my own. But I think that the big difference to me is to just enjoy what I do. And that has been the big thing for me, living in the present. I can't change the past and the future will come around. Whatever it will be, will be. And it is definitely living in the moment. And I think people have inspired me, have been actual business owners. They've gone off, set their own business up. And you know, and meeting these fantastic business owners with vision and their own dream has just been great.
0: What advice would you give to your young self? <laughs> Don't do
1: it. <laughs> um, apart well, from probably the usual back and say you know just don't worry you just do your best in life be yourself regardless of what anyone else says um if you know and if you are living your best life that's that's the best you can do but i think also especially i think during covid and some of my dark times was appreciate everything you have and to definitely live in that moment look at what you've got around you you know you're a lot better off in life than a lot of people and appreciate people that are around you and appreciate what you have and I think that's important is definitely living in the moment but taking the risk and I always say you know you only fail if you're too chicken to try it.
0: What was the best business advice you've had and what was the impact?
1: I think just keep going I've had some really good people um, that I've worked with in the past they've given me some really great advice you and I think that the, the thing is is if you have the passion and the right people around you just keep going one of them actually said to me which I find really interesting is you know you're digging for your own treasure when you're in your own business but how annoyed would you be if you're only one shovel away from the gold
0: great philosophy I love that yeah so last question then Tracy yeah <laughs> uh, if you If you could tell me just one thing, what would it be?
1: Have passion for what you do and enjoy it. Life's a long time, especially when you're working. So if you've got something you really love, you're going to be really good at it because you have that passion behind you. That's what I would say. You know, don't don't think that you're stuck in what you're doing for the rest of your life if you have a passion or a hobby do it if that hobby turns out into a business fabulous especially if you can make money out of a hobby that's great it just makes life so much more easier for you and happier and it's all about trying to be happy it's tough enough out there as it is
0: Yeah, well, that's great advice. Letting <laughs> us into the inside story a little bit about your business, your life, mm-hmm. what motivates you, what inspires you. You've been amazing, it's been fantastic having you on. Thank, Thank you so much.
1: You. Thank you, Stu.
0: Thanks for joining us on Construction Cash Flow, sponsored by Know Your Numbers. Remember, when you know your numbers, you're in control of your destiny. Keep building your success story. And don't forget to explore further by following the link in the podcast notes.